Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. John chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, make your way there. Uh, we're going to get going this morning, and we are in John chapter 14. We are, we are in a context and a place in the Scripture where we are steadily bearing down on Easter. So Jesus is in his final week on this earth as a, as a man. Jesus is in his final weeks here, uh, and, and so we're bearing down on Easter. Obviously, we're doing that uh, chronologically as well as we're just a few weeks away from Easter, and so we're looking uh, here at the last week of the life of Jesus on this earth, and so here we find ourselves in Thursday on the week of Jesus' death. So essentially, his last night on this earth, in, in, in his earthly form, Jesus is here. And, and so if you look in your Bibles, John, beginning in John chapter 13 and running all the way through the prayer in John chapter 17, what you'll be looking at is a portion of Scripture where Jesus is gathered in the upper room with his disciples, and he's essentially giving them the, the parting words, the parting comforts, the things that he's saying as he goes away, much the same as, as if I was getting ready to go on a trip. You know, I may gather my family into the living room. I may share some words with them. I may say, listen, you know, uh, I'm going away. Uh, I've got to go on a trip. There's some place I've got to go. There's something I've got to do. But likewise, as to what Jesus is saying to his disciples, I might say to my kids, but don't you worry, I'm coming back, right? Don't you worry, I'm going to come back. And while I'm gone, I'm going to leave somebody to take care of you. Mama's going to take care of you. Nanny's going to help. Nana's going to be here, right? All of these things are going to happen. And so Jesus is gathering in the upper room with his disciples, and he's giving them his parting words, the things he knows what's coming on this next day. And so he's trying to pour into his disciples one final time. So this morning, as we get into John chapter 14, these first six verses, I want you to keep in mind that we find Jesus in the upper room gathered with his disciples the night before he is to be crucified. Now, I want to ask you if you're able to please stand. Oh, wait a minute. Just kidding. It wasn't that funny, but thank you. We're going to read from the Holy Word of God, and I would like you to approach with reverence. The holy words of our holy God from John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we did not know where you were going, and how can we know the way? But Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let us pray. Father God, as we gather this morning, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Father, we thank you for your hedge of protection around us last night as the storms passed through. Father, we thank you for your hedge of protection around us as we've come together this morning, that you've brought us safely to this hallowed ground. Father, that we would approach with reverence the opportunity to worship your holy name. Father, we thank you for the songs that we've sung. And Father, we thank you for the word that we've read, which is your words, Father. Father, we pray you bless our time together. Father, you bind any devil, any demon. Father, any spirit, any thought that is not held captive by your Holy Spirit, 
Father, would you remove it at this time that in these next few minutes, we would glorify your holy name because you alone are worthy of our worship and you alone are worthy of our praise. It's in your precious name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to look this morning in, in this text and we're just going to be looking at three points, three kind of focal points that we're going to look at from our text this morning. We're looking at the plea, the promise, and the path. So if you're taking notes, the plea, the promise, and the path. Here we see Jesus say these words to start out. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now remember, these disciples have followed Jesus for three years straight. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, unless they were on a mission that he had sent them on, unless they were on a task that he had sent them on, they had been with Jesus all of that time. They love him, right? They believe in him, and yet they find themselves on this evening, as Jesus is speaking, they find themselves profoundly confused because everything they thought they understood about Jesus and how everything was going to play out was being done away with. It was all kind of being shattered right there in front of their face. Why? Well, because in their minds, Jesus was the Messiah, and he was. In their minds, Jesus was here to establish a kingdom, and he was. But in their minds, Jesus was here to establish an earthly kingdom during this trip down to earth, right? They thought that he was coming to rise to a place of prominence. In fact, they, in one chapter just previous, had been, been arguing among themselves, hey, which one of us is going to be the most important in the kingdom of our Savior, right? Which one of us is going to be the cat's meow, so to speak. And so now they're gathered in this upper room and everything they thought, everything that they saw coming, everything they felt like was going to happen is being shattered because Jesus, who is supposed to be there to rise to a place of prominence, is here saying to them, I have to go away. I'm going away. And suddenly their mind is going, well, how are you going to establish this kingdom that you're supposed to establish if you're going away. And so they're completely confused by the whole process. You could say that in their minds, they're saying, this ain't how this was supposed to go. Anybody ever watch a TV show or a movie and you get all engrossed in it, you get wrapped up in it and you're watching it and you think you got it all figured out and you get to about that, that last scene or you go and you go, well, that ain't at all how I thought that was going to happen. Right, I didn't see that coming. I, I, that's not at all what I figured was going to occur. You could say that's where the disciples find themselves. They're essentially going, man, I didn't see that one coming, right? Jesus is saying he's got to go away. Think about all they had given up, though, right? They were jobless. They had been vagabonds. They had been on the road with Jesus. And now, rather than being concerned about how it goes for Jesus, they're concerned about how it goes for themselves, right? They had been on the road with him, and now he says, I've got to go. And you would think that somewhere in their mind, they would go, well, Jesus, how's this going to end for you? Jesus, is there anything we can do for you? Jesus, what's going to happen to you? But instead, they're going, what's going to happen to us? Jesus, you say you got to go. What's that mean for us? We've been following you. We, we left our families behind. We left everything behind, Jesus. And so Jesus starts with these words in this sentence. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be troubled. This word for troubled here means to be confounded on the inside, but it also means to be wrapped up in anxiousness. Jesus is essentially saying to his disciples here, hey, take a chill pill, 
right? Don't have this anxiety, this anxiety that is crippling you. You need to cast it aside. You don't need to have that. You don't need to be confounded on the inside. You don't need to be set here concerning about how this is all gonna go and what's gonna happen to you. I need you to relax. And he makes this plea to them. Don't be anxious in this season. Believe as you believe in God, believe also in me. Believe in God, believe also in me. He isn't telling them, hey, stop the worry from starting. He's saying, stop worrying now. And then he gives them the the tool to accomplish this very thing. He says, how can you stop being anxious in this season? It's through your faith in God. Believe in God, believe also in me in that way, right? He gives them the formula for how you can stop. Now, why is he saying, as you believe in God, also believe in me? Well, I want you to consider this. They had walked with him and they had talked with him and not in a uh, he walks with me, talks with me, gospel song kind of way. I mean, they had really walked with him and talked with him, right? They had sat down and had meals with him. They had had drink with him. They had gotten him water. They had seen him perform miracles. They had seen them cause the dead to come to life. They'd seen him cause the lame to walk. They'd seen him multiply the loaves and the fishes. They had seen Jesus do all of these things firsthand, much the same as I can see any of you today do the things that you're doing. And they had seen Jesus do these very things. But now Jesus is saying to them, I'm going away. And when I go away, You're not going to be able to touch me with your hands anymore. You're not going to be able to see me with your eyes anymore the way that you have. You're not going to be able to do any of these things. And so I need you to believe in me the way you believe in God the Father. You see, as Jewish men, they would have been taught about God the Father, about God the Creator. They would have been taught that God was the one who had blessed Abraham. They would have been taught that God had parted the Red Sea. They would have been taught that God was the God of the exodus of their people. They would have been taught that God was the God that gave their people the promised land. And so they would have believed in God, but they had never really seen him. They had seen his work. They had seen his creation. They had seen the things he had done, but they had never really seen him. And so they had to believe in the old covenant God with faith, right? Because they'd never seen it. And Jesus is saying, hey, when I'm gone, you're going to need to have that same kind of faith in me. It's no longer going to be the kind of faith that comes from watching me heal the, 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 the blind, from watching me cause the lame to leap, from watching me multiply the fishes and loaves because I'm going. And when I go, you're going to need the same kind of faith in me that you have in my Father. And Jesus is saying, remember me in faith. And that is how you can cease your worrying. You have to remember me in your faith. And that is how the anxious season can pass. Worship me, love me, remember me through faith. You know, earlier in the text, as he was talking to him, he essentially said to the disciples, hey, it's better for you that I go. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But when I go, the Holy Spirit will come to you as a comforter. He will be there for you, ever present. It's not like when I go into the other room and I'm not present with you now because Jesus was physical as a being. He was fully man. So when he went into the other room, he wasn't here anymore. But he said, hey, when I go home, when I go back to the Father, the Holy Spirit comes to you. I'm sending you a helper. So you really, as much as you think you don't want me to go, you want me to go because you're going to get your helper. So when you can't see me, and you can't touch me, and you can't talk to me in that way, you'll still have my Holy Spirit there to guide you. Friends, I'm here to tell you that 
as I look out, not just in this parking lot, at the eyes of all of you that are gathered this morning, as I look in the eyes of people everywhere I go, hearts are troubled. Anxieties are at an all-time high right now. You go to the grocery store, people are anxious. If they're not anxious about whether or not they're going to catch a, a virus, they're anxious about whether or not they're going to be able to buy the food that they're looking for. They're anxious about whether they can buy enough of the food they're looking for. They're anxious about whether they should even be there in the first place. They're anxious about where they're going to go when they leave. They're anxious about their job situation. They're anxious about their money situation. They're anxious about everything under the sun. We have so many anxieties. And you know what? Even if it's not the, 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 the virus that's causing people to be anxious, we just live in a perilous times that makes us anxious, right? There's political instability. There's, there's one side and the other, and they seem to be warring against each other with no common ground in the middle. One side hates everything the other side does. The other side hates everything this side does, and there's not any common ground. We live in a time that seems anxious, but church, we don't live in a time that is unprecedented. We don't live in a time that is caught God by surprise. We don't live in a time that, that, that should concern us because what we have to understand is Jesus is saying the same words to us this morning as we read John chapter 14 in the first verse. He is saying to every one of us and every one of his creation, stop being troubled. As you believe in God, believe also in me, which means stop being troubled, have a little faith in me, right? Jesus is saying to us this morning, do you not realize I got this under control? Do you not realize that this has not caught me off guard? Do you not realize that even when Adam ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it didn't catch me by surprise. I knew what was coming. I had a plan in place to redeem you and reconcile you. And my friend, do you think that some virus that hails from China has caught God off, off kilter? That suddenly God is in heaven going, well, I didn't see that coming. I don't know how I can heal the people. No, God absolutely knew what was coming. And whatever comes down the pike later, God knows it's coming as well. Because we serve an amazing holy God. And he says to you this morning, stop being confounded on the inside. Stop being tied up in knots. Stop being anxious when you have faith in me. Next this morning, let's look at the promise from Jesus. Believe in me. As you believe in God and have faith in me, and here's what's going to happen. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare this place for you, I will come and receive you to myself so that where I am there, you may be also. What a beautiful promise. Is that not a beautiful promise, church? I mean, if you are a believer and that don't get your ticker ticking something's wrong, you need to go get your pacemaker checked. Because my friend, amen. The simple fact that my Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me. And if he goes to prepare that place for me, he's coming back to get me. That's all I need to know, amen? That is enough for me to know that I am signed, sealed, delivered, and things are going to be all right no matter what happens because Jesus said he made a place for me. But let's look at this promise just a little bit. And in the sake of time, we're going to move kind of quickly this morning. He says, in my father's house. What does that mean exactly? You don't have to, to turn there, but I want you to make note of this. I want you to go back and look at it in your private prayer and study time this week because, hey, 
you know what? If you're quarantined at home, you can't go nowhere else, you might as well have a little extra private prayer and study time, right? So in your private prayer and study time, I want you to look back at these scriptures with me and see where we get this about the Father's house. Back in chapter two of John, Jesus found them making mockery of the temple. They were selling the doves and selling the sacrifices. And he said these words to him. He said, stop making my Father's house a place of business. That's when he first references his father's house. Well, what's he talking about there? He's talking about the temple. He's saying, this temple, it's my father's house, and you've made a mockery of it. But surely, Jesus, even though it's the same words that Jesus uses, surely he's not saying that I'm going down to the temple in Jerusalem to make many houses for all of you to come and dwell with me for eternity because Jesus has also prophesied at this point that that temple is going to be destroyed, utterly, completely annihilated, and it was just a few years later by Rome. And so Jesus is obviously not saying, hey, I'm going back to the same father's house that I mentioned earlier in my ministry. No, Jesus is talking about something different. So in Hebrews chapter 9, 23, we get a glimpse of what he's talking about because the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, there are copies of things from heaven that are here on earth that needed to be cleansed, and that's why Jesus came. So Jesus is essentially saying here, as the Hebrew writer tells us, and we combine that with John chapter 2, he's saying the temple in John chapter 2 where Jesus went, it's got to be cleansed, it's got to be perfected, and it's just a copy of things that are in heaven. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to the place of worship in heaven that belongs to my Father, in my Father's house in heaven where the temple is perfected. I'm going there to prepare a place for all of you to come and dwell with me in Daddy's house, right? I'm preparing a place for you to come home and hang out at, his, at, at, at my house with me, with my Father God. He's essentially saying, all of you who believe by faith, you'll be gathered to us to dwell with us. You know, in ancient times, a father would have a piece of land, and as his family grew, he would simply build an addition onto his house. And that would be where his son and his new wife would raise their family. And then as that son had a family, they would kind of build an addition. That's why many uh, of the ancient home places in that, in that area are kind of built funny. You could imagine that every time you had a kid, you built an addition onto your house for him to then raise his family. But essentially what you had was a family home, a family kind of homestead where everybody would kind of be on that same piece of property. And, and so essentially... Jesus is saying, I'm going to my father's house where we build an addition every time somebody gets saved. We build an addition on the daddy's place every time somebody gets saved and you're going to come and you're going to live there with us. John MacArthur said it this way. He said, you won't need a road map in heaven because there's just one house and it belongs to God. And there we will all live together in harmony. You say, well, that must be a really big house then. You're right. Amen. It's a huge house. It's a big old house. You say, well, how does that big old house fit? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I don't know exactly how big all of heaven is. The vastness of it far outweighs anything in our mind. But I do know the capital city of heaven is described in Revelation chapter 21, verse 16. It said that it's 12,000 furlongs or about 15,000 miles cubed. 15,000 miles cubed. So in every direction, 15,000 miles. There was an Australian engineer, the last name of Thomas, don't know the first name, or I would cite him properly, once took that number and calculated that it's approximately 2.25 million square miles. So the capital city of heaven is roughly 2.25 million square miles. Now just to put that in perspective, London, England is less than 150 square miles. 
and heaven's capital city is two and a quarter million square miles. So Jesus said, here's my promise to you. I'm going to my father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Oh, by the way, that place is so radiant that my glory is the only light that is needed. It's 2.25 million square miles. And Jesus is so glorious that the radiance of his glory is the only light that any of us will ever need in that place. Really? Think about that. If that don't blow your mind, check your pulse. The radiance of Jesus is the only, that's how glorious that our God is, is that the only light we'll need in that capital city, 2.25 million square miles, and the vastness of heaven beyond that is the light of the radiance of his glory. And he says something else to him. He says, if it weren't so, I would have told you. Why does he say that? He's essentially telling his disciples, listen, you walked with me, you talked to me, you've been with me, you've seen me. Have I ever lied to you? Have I ever told you I was going to do something I didn't do? Have I ever said I wasn't going to do something and I turned around and did it? And Jesus is saying, look at my faithfulness to you through all this time and understand that if I said I was going to, I will. If I tell you I'm going to prepare a place for you, that's what I'm doing. If I tell you I'm coming back, you can write the check and take it to the bank. I am coming back my friend Jesus is saying don't be anxious because I'm going away but I'm only going away to make things better for you I'm going to prepare an eternal home for you I'm going to prepare that home in glory and if I go up there and I get this place ready don't you know I'm going to come back and get you and take you home with me don't you know that you're coming back with me he tells us in this upper room discourse, he says, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. We already talked about that with you. He said, and while I'm gone to prepare this place for you, I'm going to leave the Spirit. When I go, the Spirit will descend upon you, and he'll be here to comfort you and guide you and convict you and straighten you and keep you going in the right direction. He'll be here for you for all of this time while I'm preparing this place for you. But once the places are prepared, the Father's going to tell me to come back. And I'm going to call you home to me. And I'll be there waiting to receive you. Church, let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because no matter what happens, Jesus is gone to prepare a place. And if he went to prepare that place, he's going to call us to that place. And he's going to be waiting to receive us when we get there. I had a talk with a relative this week via social media, by the way. We kept our social distancing. We live hours apart. But in that conversation, she made a point of basically saying, aren't you scared of what could happen? Doesn't this show you just how quickly a, a virus or a sickness could penetrate all of society? And he gave me an opportunity to say, I ain't scared. What do you mean you ain't scared? You got kids. I don't want my kids to get sick. I love my children dearly. Any of you that know me know that. If you want to hurt them, you'll have to walk through me to get there. But I ain't scared. You know why? Because no matter what happens, 
If I get sick tomorrow and the Lord calls me home, he's calling me to my eternal home. Do I want to leave here? No, I, I want to see my kids grow up just like you do. I want to see all of you grow old. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see the lame leap. I want to see the blind see. I want to see all of the miracles of God's creation. But the greatest miracle that Jesus ever did was saving me. The greatest, amen. The greatest miracle that Jesus ever did was saving me. Why? Because I was the chief of sinners. I'm like Paul. I look at my life and I say I was not worth it. There was nothing good about me. I wasn't deserving of it, but Jesus died for me anyway. He set me free, and when he did, he went and prepared a place for me so that when he calls me out of this life, I'll walk right into the next one and be with Jesus forever. And so, no, I'm not scared. I don't want to get sick. Listen, I'm not stupid either. I don't want to get sick, but I pray that if it does come, I'll do it to the glory of God. I'll do it to his magnification and his glory. And this is how we close this morning. We've seen, we've seen the plea of Jesus. We've seen the promise of Jesus. Let's look at the path that he gives us. How do we get there from here? Jesus says, the only way that your heart can stop being troubled is by faith in me. The only way that I have a place for you prepared in my father's house is through faith in me. And he says, the only way that you can get there is through me alone. Verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to get there, the only way to stop being anxious, the only way to get through all of this, the only way to find peace is through me and me alone, is what Jesus says. My friends, One of the reasons that these times are so troubling has nothing to do with sicknesses. It has nothing to do with finances. It has nothing to do with government. It has nothing to do with Republicans or Democrats or liberals or conservatives or right wings or left wings or donkeys or elephants or anything else. One of the reasons that these times are so troubling is because there has been an influx of people who have perverted this gospel of Jesus Christ to the point that they have made Jesus simply some way to feel good about yourself. They have said Jesus is simply one of the ways that you can get to the heavenly place. They have said Jesus is simply a man. Jesus was simply a prophet. Jesus is some way, but you can live a good enough life to get there without him. My friends, the copy of the word of God that I was given, the copy of the word of God that has been handed down, that comes straight from the Holy Spirit of God into the writers that wrote it and has gone through all of these generations, doesn't say that Jesus is some way, not that he's a way, not that he's even a good way. It says that he is the way, the way. There's not another one. It's not like you can get there through Jesus or, or if that doesn't work out for you, go some other way. See, we've become a society that likes choices and we like options and we like to know, well, if this doesn't work out, can we do it this way? But Jesus said here, he said, listen, there's not another way. There's no other way that you're going to get to my father's house. There's no other way that your heart will stop being anxious. There's no other way that you can get through these things and claim these promises of the scriptures except through me and me alone. And Jesus, on this very next day from what we're reading about now, is going to show us why when he stretches his arms out wide and says, I love you this much. 
that I will hang on this cross and I will bleed for you and I will die for you even though you've rejected me, even though you've hated me, even though you've gone away from me, even though you've done everything you've done, I love you so much that I will die for you anyway. But I am the only way that you can get there. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you know deep down in this anxious season, you haven't trusted God. You trusted him with your salvation. Friend, if you trusted him with your salvation, do you not think he can handle whatever else happens? If you trusted him with your eternity, can you not trust him with your now? And if you can't trust him with your now, did you really trust him with your eternity? That's the question. So maybe you're here this morning and times are anxious, times are scary, it's nerve-wracking, I get it, I understand it, but don't let your heart be troubled. Come this morning and lay your anxiety at the feet of Jesus. You can pray in your car, you can come pray on these steps, let this be your altar. You know, an altar is simply a place of remembrance. Let this place be a place this morning where you remember, I cast my cares upon him. I left my anxieties at his feet. I said, God, you're in charge of this virus. You're in charge of the economy. You're in charge of everything. And I leave it here at you, and I have faith that you're going to take care of it. But maybe you're here this morning, and you've never done that. You've never come to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know deep down in your heart of hearts that you've never cast your cares upon him fully, and you've never trusted him for your salvation. Friend, don't leave this parking lot without talking to me this morning. Don't leave this parking lot. I, I'm not afraid to get socially close with you to talk to you about Jesus. I'll come sit in your car, get out of your car, come talk to me, whatever works. But don't leave this parking lot without knowing that you know that you put it all in the hands of the Jesus who says, I am the only way you're going to have peace. I am the only way that you're going to get to my Father's house, and I'm the only way that you can be reconciled to a holy God. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning. Father, thankful that we have opportunity to gather here. But God, mostly thankful. Mostly thankful for Jesus. That God, in the midst of troubled times, we realize that Jesus is the only way to find peace. He's the only way to be reconciled. So, Father, it be my prayer this morning that in this parking lot, in this place, under the sound of this voice, Father, that your Holy Spirit would move, that those who are troubled would come and cast their anxieties at your feet, cast their worries at your feet, and not pick them up and take them back with them, Father, but leave them with you. And, Father, if somebody's here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, God, would you do what you can only do and convict them to the point that they would say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Father, we'll give you the glory for all you do and all you've done. For it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.
again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.